welcome back to the Ink Sync. I am Annie. I'm Kaylee. Celebrating readers, leaders, and word nerds, this is the publishing podcast for the rest of us. Yeah! Yeah! Thank you. I appreciate your support. <laughs> I will hype you until the end of the line, Annie. Thank you. For better or worse. For better, for better and worse. <laughs> I'm ride or die. That's right. Specifically, probably die. <laughs> what With how I drive. <laughs> Probably worse, but maybe better. Listen, we are infinitely optimistic. Here at the Ink Sync, we believe that maybe one day we won't die in a car crash. It's true. How you doing, Kaylee? <laughs> it's been a long... It's been two years since we started this year. I feel like, like yeah. yeah. Honestly, it feels like it's been year. two years since we started this recording. <laughs> yeah, also, <laughs> specifically. Yeah, we've had... I feel like the, the 30 Rock meme for sure like it's oh, been yeah. a heck of a week it's tuesday lemon it's tuesday how about you annie i'm good you know grad school sucks having two jobs sucks having a podcast is wonderful but there's work involved with that too i loved i think you're doing great oh thank all you. of the editing is wonderful oh, and the new you. episodes and you're a rock star oh thank you i appreciate that only six more months of grad school to go so I think it's five right. and a half, actually. So, That's right. Hoo-wee. Ready for that. Hopefully, As somebody that knew to. I was too lazy to go back to grad school. <laughs> Hats off. Uh, I mean, I would do it. I would just hate it. I think uh, I have midterms coming up soon. We're recording this in mid-February. So, or late February. I have midterms coming up. And um, then after that, I think I only have three classes left. Nice. And then I will take... Nice. Maybe the world's longest nap, and then I might play some video games. You can come over to my house, and you can each nap with Wage. Oh my god. Kaylee just offered me her cat. She's an excellent <laughs> napper. And she likes you. And you fed her. I did. I fed her. Uh, while Kaylee and uh, her person were off on a trip, I went over to the house with my husband, and we fed the cat. And um, took adorable photos for us. Took adorable photos and sent them along and maybe possibly selfishly wished that their flight would get delayed so that we could I stay get a little longer. I get it. My cat is and genuinely the cutest creature that has ever existed. Kaylee had a, a little bag of cuties, like oranges. What are they? They're tangerines. They're like tangerines. Clementines? Tan they're, they're like Whatever. a crossbreed, yeah. A, an orange citrus fruit. Cuties. called cuties and while we were over there we cut off the cuties label and just held it above Widge's head and did a whole photo shoot they had like they, it was a model session meantime oh, no. i made sure to send both of you different pictures you so that you could show them to each other because i know you love to do that i specifically was like <laughs> annie has our back just wait um which for those of you who are new to our podcast kaylee's cat Widge looks like an just imagine an anime cat and that's Wedge. She's brown In with stripes. world. It's, her head is a sphere with little ears on it. And then just like the biggest eyes known to mankind right on her little sphere head. And then she has these little cotton ball feet that are so fluffy. They're just the chubbiest, softest <laughs> paws. And they're white. Like she has little they're white socks on. She's white. a tabby cat. Yeah. But she had little white yeah. footy socks on. And, and yeah. it's like all over her paw. It's insane. Oh, she's so She's cute. lost a little bit of weight, so she's lost some of the, like, 
specifically rotundness, but she still looks like an anime cat. She just looks like a slightly skinnier anime. She's cat. you know for her health, she's gotta be, yeah. You know, she had just she had to slim down a little encouraged bit. Encouraged because she's an older lady when we adopted her. Anyway, we love cats on the Ink Sync. If you have pictures of your cats <laughs> that you would like us. to share, pictures of your cat Ink Sync podcast at gmail dot com. <laughs> we would be we would, we would happy love to, to see them. Look at your cats. We would do. be so happy if you could send us pictures of your um. <clears throat> For anyone who owns Roscoe, if you could send us more pictures of Roscoe as well. Yeah. Yeah. I like Roscoe. We only got one person who sent us pictures of their pets last time we called for it, and that was Roscoe. And you know what? We like. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. And feel free to keep them coming. Yeah, exactly. All right, Kaylee. (laughs) Let's jump in. We're talking about tropes today. We we have started a series uh, where we just run through tropes, what they are, what they mean, good examples, bad examples, because we think that tropes are super important and wonderful, and they're just fun to talk about. They're just fun. You can go back. I'll link it in our last one we talked about. What was it? It was uh, The Three Witches. We talked about The Chosen One. And didn't we talk about one more? Okay, so it was Three Witches and the Chosen One, and I'll link that in, in our show notes. Uh, that was a fun one. We got a lot of feedback. We did. People disagreeing, people supporting. There was a there was a lot of back and forth about yeah. what counts as a chosen one and what counts as a protagonist. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It was fun. Those discussions. So we're doing it again today. Uh, we're going to have some fun today. Kaylee, you are covering what? I am covering your favorite. This is so funny. My favorite Actually, trope. We, each, we took each other's favorite topics, I feel like, or at least maybe not my favorite favorite. But um, So I'm covering Enemies to Lovers, mm-hmm. which is Annie's number one. Like her favorite oh play God. is Enemies to Lovers. My favorite play is Enemies to Lovers. And I love a good, like, well done Enemies to Lovers story. They have to actually be enemies and then become lovers in a non-problematic way, which is difficult, difficult to, do. to do. And when it's well done, it's... Oh, chef's kiss. It's gorgeous. Because there's gorgeous. nothing, like, if, if you think about it in stories and in, in things that you read, things that you watch, there's nothing more satisfying than somebody that you've fought with, like, your whole life. And we were kind of talking about this with um the Gideon, the, the Locked Tomb series, Gideon and mm-hmm. Hera. They fought for their whole lives. And then mm-hmm. they faced against other people and they knew exactly mm-hmm. where... Each other's strengths and weaknesses, and they, and they were perfect together. Them, and it's just like, that was that was enemies to friends, by the way. For those who haven't read that series, friends, it yes. was not enemies yeah, to lovers. Not enemies to lovers, but it's just <laughs> that that moment, that emotional connection. Yeah, where it's it's very it's always satisfying. Been you v them, and then suddenly it's us versus the world, and mm-hmm. it's oh, there's just something that really clicks. It, yeah, it's very very satisfying. Agreed. Um. So yeah, and then you are doing. I am doing the Mary Sue. Which is one of the longer TV tropes entries that I've ever read. Like, normally they're pretty in-depth, but this one was pages and pages oh, and pages. there's so a lot. There was a sure. lot of research on that one. My notes are, like, five pages long. I, You, you guys can't see this, but I write, <laughs> I write handwritten notes, and they're very, very long on this one. I'm going to be flipping the pages a lot. You'll hear that. Sorry, everybody. No, that's a good... That's a good... That's our foley for this episode. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I, to be fair, I forgot how this worked and I started doing research on Mary Sue and Annie was like, Kaylee, are you ever going to tell me your topic? And I was like, son of a bitch, you're right. And then I went and picked a good one, but yeah. like one of fun, that would be fun to talk about. So I like, I also have like research on this too. So it'll be Sorry. Fun. 
no, I'm just amazed. <laughs> no, it's fine. You're fine. Let's do this. Uh, it's all good. Um. So anyway, so enemies to lovers, like what? What is that? Like, if you haven't actually seen that, or even if you have, like, I want to kind of maybe formalize like my personal definition. So let's kind of break that down a little bit, and then let's. like. We can talk Let's about go on a an adventure more info there. Um, so just at a very high level, um, obviously you the Leonardo DiCaprio oh, yeah. hey. walking down the wall. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. That meme going Perfect. on an adventure. Yeah. So uh, when two characters start out as enemies in the context of the story, and then during the story, their relationship is developed in such a way that they take a romantic turn together. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fine. Um. So the setting of its of the story itself is also important because, the, again, as I said, the characters have to start as enemies. And so the nature of the enmity really does hinge on the kind of story that you're being told. Because and, and we were talking a little bit about how this particular trope can be problematic. And I will say sometimes one of the main things for those of you who are perhaps like me or even more go through phases where you read a lot of romance novels. A lot of times it'll say enemies to lovers and it won't be actually enemies. It'll just be people who don't know each other or people who don't kind of mildly irritate each other. To yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Not That's one of the problems with enemies to lovers. But another one is, yeah, that it can be very problematic. So the, the examples and some of the most famous examples are genres in which you can have somebody that is considered antagonistic to you, but in such a fashion where it's not a war crime. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm not going to get into the specifics. There are several in the last very popular or at least infamous like ships in media. And for those of you who aren't big media watchers as we are ship just means relationship romantic no, usually in a, in a in a in a piece of media so like the the two main characters getting together that's a ship so i'm going to talk about examples of this and break down like the the trope a little more but um it can be problematic depending on the nature of the setting and what constitutes as an enemy for you in that setting. So that is certainly something to consider and to keep in mind when you're looking up media things to read, something like that. Um, when you're looking up these like examples of these stories, like they're everywhere, but you know, curate your own experience, kind of make sure that you're not finding something that will make you feel bad. There are very well done ones where people grow and develop themselves and deserve a happy ending at the end like it narratively have earned that happy ending there are other ones where you're gonna be left scratching your head and wondering how we got here in any way that wasn't just because the the studio said this is where we needed to end up basically so setting all of that to the side um i did also want to kind of give a nod to adjacent or related tropes that aren't enemies to lovers um so annie kind of mentioned one which is enemies to friends but we also have uh, friends to lovers and rivals to lovers, which are similar, but not this trope. I appreciate that you're making the distinction between rivals to lovers and enemies to lovers, because I think that a lot of times that's like people don't do that. And it's, it's really true. Like if you have the same goal and you just happen to be like adjacent and you just happen to want the same goal... You're not an enemy. You're not, enemy. not an enemy. <laughs> You're not an enemy. I agree with you. It's it's. I would say a subset for sure, but it's still it's still very different. There are different different notes that you hit there. And there's also just you you need to watch for different things. Yes, agreed. So when did when did it first come up? So here is a non problematic 
potential example and only because it's super duper old and we only have fragments and uh, you know relationships at the time were not necessarily conceptualized in quite the same way or spoken of in the same way that we conceptualize and speak of modern relationships there's a lot of setup to this one kaylee what are you about to say arguably (laughs) the first canonical example of this trope could be the academic circles recognize currently as the oldest example of recorded literature the epic of gilgamesh interesting okay so um so gilgamesh and enkidu i was about to say gilgamesh and enkidu yeah okay so enkidu was they were enemies specifically to be gilgamesh's foil and they Mm -hmm. just wrestle it out and then decide they're bros or maybe something more like the the language in the scraps that we have sure is ambiguous for us and of course we don't know right so I don't speak Sumerian. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah. So like, so setting all of that to the side, um, it's a potential example. Interesting. One okay. of the potentially oldest pieces of recorded literature. Anyway, so I like that. I thought that was pretty That's cool. That's a nice little like trivia tidbit, Char. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'll send you a, an, a link. Um, so history.com has just a discussion on the oldest literature and it kind of breaks down like what the story is. Um, so I'll be happy to send that out just for people that just want a little context. Yeah, we'll we'll add our sources into the show notes for sure. Um, and so why do people like it? Like, why do people like if especially if, if, you know, that's accurate, you know, you know, that's like the first or the oldest thing that we have. And we've managed to keep it for this long. Like what's like what draws us in about it? So like it's obviously fun. And the idea of it is uncomplicated on the surface. Sure. Opposites attract. Yeah, exactly. Opposites attract. You have somebody that sparks passion. And the opposite of love is not hatred. It is indifference. Hatred is a separate sort of passion. And you invest time and emotion and mental energy into this other person. And in many, in most forms of the media, your physicality is engaged, etc. So like you go ham. And ultimately, like we were talking about, especially in the more i guess appropriately or well-developed media stories the people grow and they learn and evolve like characters evolve together and find that typically they're sharing common ground that they didn't necessarily fully realize like like, uh, you've got mail that was an enemies to lovers oh yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so it's 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 the trope is around it's everywhere um but like so i i didn't want to get into like some of that specific example but it's just something that you kind of have to like see like it is everywhere and you find frequently that the person that you were thinking about in one context is actually like that's just one avenue and they have so many other things and if you connect to them appropriately like as a person Mm -hmm. like you reach out to them thoughtfully then there's so much more and that's when you start to understand them and appreciate them and potentially move forward with them in life that's one of the i think or at least that's i think the biggest like draw is is finding and growing with somebody that you know can like not only like hold their own against you but then can turn and protect your back against the world yeah so i think that's so interesting so we're gonna start with an honorable mention for a few examples of things that i think aren't actually enemies to lovers but have have been but have been called out so i think that actually han and leia have been called out for this and I don't think that they're enemies to lovers because 
they mildly irritate each other, but at no point in the context of the story are they set up as enemies. Yeah, they're never working against each other. They're always on the side of the rebellion. They're even pranking each other. No. Except for sometimes they insult each other. Yeah. That's the most you're going to get out of that. Right. So I think that people like, oh, enemies to lovers. No, I mean, they get snarky. That's like bantering to lovers like that's not yeah. <laughs> that's not necessarily the the, the case so that's like I, and that's acquaintances to lovers if we're <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> we yeah. have to do one if we have to do anything exactly so like just giving you guys context for what the difference is for some of the, the later actual examples so for things that you'll see this a lot in any classic lists of enemies to lovers we've got two biggies which is uh, much ado about nothing which is annie's favorite shakespeare play um, and in this one is my one of my favorite iterations, the other example, which is Pride and Prejudice. Which is another one of my favorites. Which is another one. And and I think the the reason that these two are so enduring is because of again the context that the characters are placed in. They do have genuine problems to that they are dealing with, but they are society problems that are not necessarily that are framing each other to you know putting each other at a you know opposed whereas war crimes is the alternative potentially um so that's i think why these particular stories have not only endured in general but also specifically as the most beloved iterations of this trope you've got two characters who are placed at opposing angles due to society but then also potentially their own personal ignorance they're very clever. They're, they're very pride, smart. perhaps. Oh, or yeah. they're prejudiced. And their internal prejudices. There is much ado. In fact, they discover about, about nothing. nothing. It's true. It's true. Sorry. It's, no, I mean, that's, I think that's... <laughs> you're funny. No, you're fine. So for Benedict and Beatrice, for example, and much ado about nothing, um, there's no harm that their enmity brings to them. No, but they are pranking each other. They are working against each other in some ways. In the sure. masquerade ball, yeah. he she is pranking him and he is trying to prank her. He's failing, but he is attempting. Sure. What I was saying is that they're not, like, the fact that they are enemies is set in a context to where it's just they're getting one up on each other. But oh, none yes. of their, they do not personally suffer due to that plot, to that subplot where or their, right. True. their differences. They're all, they're established to be good and upright and noble people that right. just don't like each other rub each other the wrong way mm -hmm. and everybody knows they hate each other and everyone tries to avoid them when they're together <laughs> mm -hmm. exactly um and so and that's pro i mean again like a one of the very popular plays yeah very very frequently performed because yes. it's fun mm -hmm. it's so fun they're fun characters they mm -hmm. don't they you don't mind rooting for them to get together yeah. They don't injure each other. Especially set against the other main uh, couple in that play, which is a mutual pining trope, which is can get very boring very quickly. And so it adds like a little bit of spice to it, I think. Well, not only that, but I think that genuinely, I think that the Beatrice and Benedict relationship, I would make an argument and I don't think I'd have too much, you know, conflict from other people when I say that it's so much more healthy than the relationship Poor hero. <laughs> anyway. Um, when you Again, when you have to fake your death, or when you fake your death, something's gone wrong. Something has gone <laughs> terribly wrong. We've said it before. <laughs> Draw on the line. <laughs> line in the sand. Um, so despite an, an arguably martial setting, because you do have, like, it is set against the backdrop of, like, soldiers that have a just war, come back yeah. from war. 
or or in the on arrest essentially um it's gentle uh the the intrigues are social and nobody's ruined um and then again the characters are allowed to grow and develop heroes ruined for a hot second but not by this plot not by this plot correct that's true you're right you're right like I said, I think that their relationship is infinitely more healthy. Agreed. Than yes, absolutely. For relationship sure. in this play. Yes. Um, and then, the, so I also wanted to say that one of my other, I think one of my favorite things about this is that it has occurred and Beatrice and Benedict show up again and again and again in so many other things and quietly as, as the side subplot. And one of my favorite couples, and I didn't realize this when I was a kid watching this show, but then I, you know, read Shakespeare and then I was thinking about this later. And I didn't see this on any, any lists. But did you ever watch Living Single? God, it's so good. It's, it's, it's better than Friends. I'm not even going to argue. It's better than Friends. Um, but Living Single has Queen Latifah and a, a wonderful cast of, love of characters. Um, and it's, I love She hasn't been doing much lately, but I still love her. She's on, um, she's All actually on a, she's on a, a crime drama. Oh, she's on a crime she's drama. She's on a crime drama. Interesting. Okay. She, like, I'll have to look it up. She's a sniper and it's amazing. Yes, girl. Okay. All right. She's got like a motorcycle and she just is driving around being super badass. All anyway. right. Okay. But, um, but anyway, so she's living in the city and she's a magazine. Uh, she, uh, or, you know, runs a magazine basically. Okay. And one of her neighbors, like her, I can't remember if Maxine was a college roommate or something, but she's a lawyer. And um, the other, the, one of the, the guys um, that is also in the building, uh, Kyle, um, so he and Max have this exact same dynamic. And they come and grow, like they end up like over the seasons. They're obviously giving each other the business. And then ultimately, like, they have, like, a secret relationship. And then he's going to go off to London or something. And she realizes she's pregnant. And, and then he comes back and realizes that she's got a kid and that, you know, she's doing her best. And it's just their relationship is incredibly sweet. Like, the way that it develops, the way that it ends. And, like, them as the growth of them as people in, individually and together is is what I think really makes the, the trope. Especially for, in this case, I was, it is the Benedict and Beatrice, like, vibe. It's wonderful. So I think that it's just so nice to see it stretched out and more because it's fun vibe. And you, and you feel by the end of it that they're really good friends and that they're good friends that know each other, not just, like, fair weather friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then similarly, I think that's the same idea with like Pride and Prejudice, where you start with your prejudices and then you unlearn them and then you grow as a as an individual person, but also your relationship evolves and you grow with somebody else. I think trying to go into a relationship thinking I'm going to change this person is a recipe for disaster. Going into a relationship and growing is is genuinely the only way that that evolution should happen so um that's my i guess my advertisement more than anything for this trope because i think we came at these things from very different angles (laughs) um i don't really have a lot to go off of from there i just wanted to talk about like let's not be problematic let's let it be what it is in a good ways and then go from there so um speaking of one enemies to lovers that i was just thinking about just occurred to me have you watched willow the movie mm-hmm. mad martigan and sorsha oh yeah are genuine enemies oh yeah 
and became lovers. I'm still not clear on why Sorsha fell in love with him. He's kind of a goober, but uh, genuinely enemies and genuinely become lovers. She and didn't without have a lot of options, she really didn't. No, yeah, she was very, very, very ill-treated, in my opinion. But yes, um, I think that's another enemies to lovers one that was not problematic. We were talking a little bit before about problematic ones like Spike and Spike Buffy. And Buffy, <laughs> yeah, we're, that was the one that we thought would be the safest one to talk about yeah. right now because it's a little bit older and probably nobody in the last five to eight years has been personally victimized for supporting it and so like there are other ones that we don't necessarily fully support but we're not going to call them out so yeah for sure in that particular ship you know spike as a soulless vampire and buffy as a vampire slayer they the writers get them together and they get them together after buffy has been you know traumatized horrifically and by multiple former lovers multiple former lovers by being ripped out that being you know resurrected um Mm -hmm. and trying to and many enemies specifically vampires like it's an extremely problematic beginning to a relationship across the board and it just and then it gets more problematic from there and then it stops being problematic and just gets kind of sad yeah it's just like well uh, like it's so weird and and i just don't think that the writers necessarily knew what they were doing i think it was meant to be problematic the entire time i think that they knew on some level that this was bad but i don't know that it was that they realized always framed appropriately is a good way to put it yeah for sure so just again your mileage may vary Mm -hmm. um, don't read something that's gonna personally cause you wish yeah don't Don't do that that. (laughs) um again if you're interested in in dipping your toe into the trope pride and prejudice much ado about nothing they're wonderful examples of this trope done well and in general good characterization here's a potentially um fraught discussion what is your favorite pride and prejudice adaptation for us to recommend to our listeners oh that's is that a discussion that that is a a discussion there is there because there's like the 83 the 95 and the 05 i think are the the big ones okay so you're wrong but um it's fine I disagree. Kira Matthew Knightley. McFadden, come on. Okay, no, we should have, we have so many marathons we have to do. We do. We'll do one of our, our next adaptation ones. We'll do the book and then we'll watch all three of the, the famous adaptations. We'll do it. Yeah. All right. We can do So <laughs> we can do it after our Fast and Furious marathon. <laughs> perfect. 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 Oh perfect. my God. That's... All right. Let's jump into uh, Tell me Mary you've got five Sue. pages of notes, Amy. I, okay, Hit me up. Let me see. One two three i'm sorry i exaggerated i have three oh, pages okay. i only had two pages of notes <laughs> in my, my little word document all right so mary sue actually has been getting a lot of ink spilled on it recently so i wanted Ooh, to do a quick explainer this is something that's come up a lot especially in movies because there have been a lot of um, accusations of a mary sue in a lot of very big franchises I argue with Alex and Ray on this. I will I will go toe-to-toe for Ray as a Mary day. Sue or as not a Mary as Sue? As not a Mary Sue. Okay. Or at least not as a Mary Sue unless Luke was also a Mary Sue. Well, so Ray was a big one. Ray was uh, Ray from Star Wars, The Force Awakens, uh, Toriel from The Hobbit, Bella from Twilight in both the books and the movies. People look at that and say, oh, it's a Mary Sue. But a lot of people also say, hey, what's a Mary Sue? Um, and this is actually a conversation that I've had with some people <laughs> is like, oh, that person's a Mary Sue. And I'm like, is it? And they're like, can we talk about what the Mary Sue is? Because in that context, it seems to mean just, you know, 
a female main character that doesn't seem super interesting to whoever's watching it, um, but that other characters seem to obsess over. Which, you know, sure, sometimes there are scenes where Ray may not seem interesting to certain audiences, which is whatever. Um, but basically, one of the things that they all have in common is that people who meet them seem to either immediately fall in love with them or say something like, oh, my God, she's so special. And this is almost always women, but it doesn't have to be. And we'll get into kind of the, the edges of this later. Yeah. Um, but they don't seem to have a ton of inter- interesting personalities. This is like the meme of Bella from Twilight. This is a little bit old, but like that she never has any expressions on her face. She never actually does anything except stand there and get, you know, hurt all the time. And the main argument is that, you know, they don't have anything to back up that everyone is so obsessed with them. There's no substance there to actually latch on to. But it's actually really interestingly gone through an evolution. Um, and so I, I dug into the history of the Mary Sue a little bit. I'm sure you did, too, on some of your uh, your initial research. In the very earliest iterations, a Mary Sue only appeared in fanfic. It was a literal Mary Sue character. This was a, an actual character in a fanfic. It was a Star Trek fanfiction. And it specifically was a wish fulfillment self-insert. The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> Okay. That's it. I just wanted to say that because... I don't know what that means. You haven't seen that movie? It's a movie? Okay. Oh I've seen Flash Gordon. <laughs> how has your husband not shown you this? Okay. He is he, an actual... He often asks me how I haven't seen everything. Gary so Stu. So continue. But okay, it is right. it is this this version of the character, which is the okay. Mary Sue, it's that he's that. Okay. So basically, it's, again, a wish fulfillment self-insert. Um, there was a literal Mary Sue character. She um, was a satirical character. I misspelled satirical. I, I spelled it like icicle, but like with a satire. Anyway. <laughs> It was a parody of a common thing that uh, a lot of young writers were doing at the time where they would take an established story and just throw themselves into it. Um, Not everyone goes through this phase in their writing. A lot of a lot of the articles about this and a lot of the deep dives into it were like saying, oh, everyone goes through this in their writing. I wouldn't say everyone goes through it, but it's definitely very, very common. Um, there's a a really common trope about uh, the Aragorn Legolas fanfics where there's like a, a rite of passage that a lot of people talk about when they were first writing fanfic that they they all wrote basically the same fanfic where they traveled to Middle Earth. Middle Earth and Aragorn and Legolas fell in love with them. And I'm like, that seems like if if 20 people did that that seems like a lot oh no it happened i i didn't go through that in my fanfic writing but i absolutely understand it um mine was uh the chronicles of narnia so if everyone could just (laughs) that's 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 fair i didn't you know it's so fascinating i didn't when i was a kid Uh uh-huh i didn't want to go on adventures oh i I so did other people going on adventures it's only as i've gotten older that i have relaxed about like appreciating the world that like now i'm like okay i get i i've, I've watched all of like the the tropey anime that's based on this basically oh yeah so tell me tell me more annie <laughs> tell me more well kaylee if you've spent any time on the internet um <laughs> boy you, have i you probably guess you can probably guess what i'm gonna say next uh the trolls ruined it um you might notice that most of the characters that we've kind of been talking about Ray from Star Wars, Tariel from The Hobbit, Bella from Twilight, and their authors, in fact. Um, a lot of people kind of point to Catherine Kennedy. Catherine Sorry. Kennedy. People quit to point to Catherine Kennedy's influence in Ray and um, Philippa, I don't remember her last name, who was working on The Hobbit, and of course, Stephanie Meyer, who, who wrote Bella in Twilight. Uh, a lot of these characters and authors are female, um, and especially young women specifically for the characters. And if you're, if you're new here, 
Uh, young women on the internet tend to get a lot of hate. Just look at the Swifties. I actually wrote this back in December when the Swifties were going after Ticketmaster and they were getting hate on the internet for going after Ticketmaster. And I was like, why? You're rooting what for are you... the, this corporation that's charging $40,000 yeah. for sure, who, okay. who saw this fight and was like, oh, yes, I'm on the side of Ticketmaster. Anyway, if you don't know about that, you can you can look it up on the internet. I'm, uh, we're not going to go into nope. that saga. Um, but you might also have noticed that uh, a lot of the characters that I mentioned suffer from kind of poor characterization. I, I will say, and you're right, I think that Luke doesn't have the greatest characterization in A New Hope. Rey doesn't have the greatest characterization in The Force Awakens. You're just kind of thrown in and people are just obsessed with her. Um, same thing with Toriel. She has one scene where she fights good. And then after that, it's like everyone who meets her is falling over themselves. And same with Bella. She suffers from poor characterization. She is also the narrator of the story. So she's kind of dealing with everyone else's characterization. She doesn't do that much because she's narrating what everyone else is doing. Mm. So it's also considered the different approaches for Bella specifically, because yeah. like, I don't necessarily think in the other you know, pieces of media that you brought out. Yeah. That it was done this way. But Stephanie Meyer, I'm pretty sure, wrote her as this, the blank slate to yes. be projected onto specifically, um, which is just just an interesting um, difference in how her character was written. Also, if you read the physical description of Bella and then look at an actual picture of Stephanie Meyer, you can kind of see a little bit of the, the self-insert trope there, too. Not that that's necessarily bad. I mean, write what you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's not like, you know brunette pale women are rare <laughs> in the united states either <laughs> like yes kaylee just pointed at me as a as a brunette pale woman <laughs> don't don't go to don't go to washington annie but again like this isn't this isn't a crime you know I, a lot of writers or you know characters like you can get kind of bland sometimes. Like, that's not a bad thing. And a lot of new writers, as they will readily tell you when they write for the first time, it kind of sucks. Like, yep. it's not great. So a lot of these fanfics that we're talking about, not like the the big ones that <laughs> did up as multi-million dollar movies, but the fanfics specifically, like, they weren't awesome. And that's fine. Reasonable. Well, I wouldn't say it's fine because I don't like reading things that are bad. Well. But also it's not a crime. You don't arrest people and throw them into jail for... You don't have to read things. You, you also, yeah, you can reading. also choose to move on. But this trolley internet cohort uh, basically started posting in the, the forums calling this kind of thing out. They're commenting on these stories and writing posts, basically bullying these almost entirely young female writers. Um, and they're calling their characters shit, which isn't a nice thing to do. Nope. Rude. Uh, but they started using Mary Sue and it's kind of they kind of evolved the trope, meaning they, they started using Mary Sue to mean uh, just female character that I don't like. And that's kind of where we're, we start on this path of the way that Mary Sue is used now. And they kind of turned it into this stance, this kind of dog whistle to say that, you know, I don't like this character and therefore you have written poorly. And that's so strange. It's weird. <laughs> if you don't like something, that doesn't mean that the person who wrote it Again, deserve to go to jail. That's that's kind of silly. Um, there was some calling out of male protagonists like this, as Kaylee was saying earlier. They call them a Gary Stew. I put that in quotes because I thought it was very funny. Um, but it's not nearly on the same scale that uh, trolls were kind of calling out women. No, because men are the default, Annie. <sighs> uh, that was a. I was being heavily sarcastic, and I apologize. <laughs> 
I just want to make sure disclaimer applied. Um, I've died and my soul has left my body. <laughs> insanely frustrating because again, I, I do actually argue about this because you know Alex is is reasonably f- frustrated with the story. Sure, and, and he's most- just kind of taking it out on oh, yeah, exactly on that one character that he can more like effusively dislike. Or she's the main character. Sure, in the series. she is absolutely, and I totally understand that. But you can also just dislike something without saying that something is a Mary Sue and putting a value judgment on that for all of the characters in general. And I do want to issue a little bit of a disclaimer, um, more, I don't want to call it legitimate, but in the large format, media critics like magazines and stuff have actually adopted this term, but they're not really using it in the same way that we kind of define it outside of those pla- outside of those spaces. So I'm not... Obviously, I'm not accusing every movie reviewer of being a troll asshole um, for saying Mary Sue. And I don't want it to sound like I'm saying every movie reviewer is a misogynist. But there, there, there's definitely a different feeling between the, the cultural discussion of whether a character design is any good and just being a bully mm-hmm. and trying to bully a young woman on the internet because you just don't like her writing. And that's something that you open yourself up to when you put your writing out there. But okay. also, you know there's there's still a difference i think between calling out a character for being maybe not as flushed out as it could be and bullying a writer constructive for the way criticism which is not always welcome sure is very different even then from harassment agreed, agreed. Today, as a response to kind of all of that, there's been a little bit of a reclamation movement to take the label and bring it back and give it some power for specifically the young writer, the young female writers who are talking about it. Um, People point out that men with poor characterization and weak plotting on often go unremarked on. Um, So a lot of times if you see a Mary Sue sort of comment somewhere, you'll you'll see, you know, someone coming in and defending and saying, hey, what about this other character that you have said that you loved and not that you need to not love them but let's take a second and think about why you're specifically mad at this character and perhaps it is their gender that or the gender of the author that wrote them that is Mm -hmm. maybe a part of it um and i also wrote about luke skywalker in my Mm -hmm. notes (laughs) he comes out of nowhere he's a super great pilot slash jedi slash strategist and makes a career criminal, a monk, and an evil general suddenly get obsessed with him. Very similar to Ray. Yeah, no, like I said, I, I've I've had this. Kaylee just very rolled her eyes so hard. I'm surprised no one heard it. Discussion with my husband, and it is just it's good that we have we have each other. We had the back, yeah. I actually, else. Kaylee and I didn't talk about this before I wrote these notes. This is completely in organic. The organic. <laughs> Look, I just it's. Ah, it's ah. hard because again it's it feels so sexist once you see the pattern and it and alex doesn't hard. Want to think that right no one wants to think of themselves as sexist yeah. it's hard to just be like oh i'm just you know talking about a thing that i enjoy which is this you know talking about these movies and i don't want to like critically examine all of the individual psychological reasons that which I'm i get totally sure. reasonable but also still probably a thing that we all need to do yeah, I mean, it's just something that we, as people that are impacted by Western culture, have to... Right. And I, I just I just want to be clear. When I was, like, you know, 14, 15, I was sure. a, a not like other girls. Like, I had that moment. I never really, like, went ham on it. But, mm-hmm. like, I had that quiet, internalized misogyny. And I, like, tried to dodge Mary Sue's in fan fiction and stuff. Right. 
just because I thought it was stupid and I thought it was a waste of time. I never like went out and went after anybody for it. It just wasn't, I just, I, I never gave it a chance because it wasn't like, I just didn't think it was. You saw this discourse out there yeah. and you were like, I don't want to be the subject of that. I don't, yeah, I don't want to be like part of the problem. And I didn't realize that I already was there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We all have to unlearn uh, some of the cultural expectations that we're grown up exposed to. And that's not a, this is not a commentary on any of our parents. This is simply a commentary on the, the societal structure that we've got. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it does take work. You have to work on yourself. You have to grow. You have to become more than you are when you are a child. Like that's the point of growing up is that you learn and you you adjust your your actions based on experiences. And I like to think that, you know, I mean, maybe it's not the same for you, but I like to think I'm a much kinder commenter now on other people's work. I don't know if you are as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, in general, like being just more thoughtful as I approach consuming any media, whether that's like fan fiction or books, TV, movies, um, just being more thoughtful about like how I'm responding and why I'm responding in a certain way has really helped me not be a dick (laughs) it's hard to not be a dick sometimes isn't it when you're again when it's something that you've internalized and you don't necessarily even know Mm. because like it's like learning a language it's like learning your birth language yeah you don't know the rules when you're especially like i don't like i couldn't name off some of the more obscure grammar rules for english like the word ordering for like a sentence like like I broke that, that that's like a post that was broken down. Like if you're describing something, there's a certain order that, that you'll you put the adjectives in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That I was, yeah, this is right. I do it, but I couldn't have told you that before. I mean, it's just something that you, you have in your head. Something that you have to un unpick basically, unstitch. Yeah. And it's hard. And part of that kind of reclamation has been um there is a a, a movement of people proudly using the term Mary Sue. You see this a little bit more in kind of the cozy um, genres, but uh, there is a nerd culture news site called the Mary Sue. We've talked about it a little bit on the podcast before. They were the source of uh, one of our lists for books by trans authors that you can check out on our bookshop page, but they do a ton of great work and it's not all, but much from the perspective of a, you know, non-white, non-cis, non-het dude. Like, it's from people who are not part of that big movie review culture. They're part of women or non-binary or trans or people of color or other marginalized groups. And they try and make a make a point to not be part of that, you know, trolly thing. But they want to be thoughtful and they want to say, hey, maybe we can take a second look at this, which I always find super valuable. And so, again, to reiterate, kind of to, I guess, close this out, people usually say Mary Sue when they mean, again, female character, one I don't particularly like. And let's be real, you're allowed to not like characters. That's totally fair. But you're also allowed to just say, I don't like that character. You don't don't have to to call it a Mary Sue. You don't have to like lump it in with this like really weirdly misogynist phrase. For example, and I have this in here and I might, you know, piss some people off here, but I did not particularly like the Captain Marvel movie or the character. She just didn't resonate with me, but I'm not going to go out and bully anybody about it. Mm -hmm. And that's my main point here. 
That's super fair. Can I also, <laughs> and I keep this in or don't, I don't, I don't care, but I think it's fascinating the way that you found and conceptualized the Mary Sue, which is that it's a person who stands around and doesn't necessarily do a lot to justify their existence in the content. Right. And is just beloved across the, the land. When I first came across the term in it was in fan fiction because of you know, of course it was. Like you said, it Yeah, at the beginning out. it all was, yeah. It was an overpowered female character mm, who had yes, not, was not yes. only beautiful, but also was special in all of the ways. Yes. At the very beginning, I, I kind of glossed over that, but uh, initially the first Mary Sue's were uh, overpowered, but like in a super special way that no one else ever was. And it was like that they were like, you know, part of a dead race and they were the last ones. And especially they had like all these extra powers that no one else had. But even then, like, there's like, it's like, what are you? It was like all of this saying like every, (laughs) every. And they had enormous boobs. And like, it was ridiculous. So I just think that's so interesting about like, and, and, and technically still true because like Jupiter Jones from Jupiter Ascending, she's a like people, she is a Mary Sue in my opinion, but it is a fun movie. It's Transformers, but for girls. Sure. Like that's I like Transformers. That's what those like. I mean, I'm a girl. Yeah, I haven't seen the movie. I'm sorry. That's fair. I'm giving this is the only commentary I have. Jupiter ascending. (laughs) It's there's Jupiter perhaps, and it might go places. Bonkers. (laughs) I cannot express enough. It's fun. Anyway, it's but but like but so many different things. Like sure, yeah, special person and yeah, just because of who she is, gets whisked off to space. Mm-hmm. utopia but it's not space utopia and, and she's the only one who things. can save it she has to do certain things to not the, the world is gonna go down otherwise probably she, not the universe but the world for if sure. she and her big boobs and singularly beautiful Smiley face Kunis, don't boobs do aren't quite that big <laughs> right i'm sorry i'm sorry i was i was still stuck in the oh old, yeah, yeah the old face do you did you ever watch <laughs> samurai shampoo Sham- samurai shampoo 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 no it's an anime it's very good you it should watch it sounds like an anime it actually so, sounds like an ex- etsy store but it was uh that's fair <laughs> um it's the is the uh samurai um show that the cowboy bebop team did okay um and the reason i just brought this up is because it's genuinely one of my favorite scenes anywhere is so there's three main characters there's a sam- okay. there's oh, a samurai okay um a roving thug mercenary so those two are like Bay. enemies but they're just like reluctantly <laughs> together in food service yeah. and then Fu is a, a girl who's searching for her father who is a samurai the, that she's trying to find okay um so in one of the early episodes Fu has to run somewhere and like there there's like this whole nonsense happening and like she has the running sequence and it's like the show is otherwise such high quality so good you never see any issues okay and then you see like the the boobs weirdly bouncing back and forth and they're weird and they're doing like this like and I, you guys can't see it it's like alternate hand motions going up and down which is not Kaylee looks like she's milking a cow right now <laughs> that's what it looks like and then she reaches in and she pulls out two bombs <laughs> They make you watch that with your own two eyes. It was <laughs> hilarious, and it was perfect. Anyway, I just thought of that, I and you could that. probably find that clip. Okay, it just All right. but it's also 
that is a wonder. It's very good. And it, it yeah. will make you cry. Okay. The storytelling in that and the art is good. The music's fantastic. So mm-hmm. I super recommend it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Do you have a Kaylee Coda for us this week, Kaylee? Kind of mentioned this before, but like, I just love characters. And so like, I'm so glad that I let go of my, or at least I've started letting go, I should say, of my preconceptions and prejudices for people just having a good time. And if, if something twigs me, like, I'm glad that I've started trying to figure out why. Because I shouldn't, I never, never reach out and like judge people. Like, I try not to to reach out and like be rude to anybody. But like... Why didn't I like the thing? Like, is this a me thing? Is this a something else thing? Or is this just like not my cup of tea or whatever? I'm so grateful. I've gotten so much more joy in life being less internally judgmental on myself. Because that's what it was at the end of the day. It was me judging me, not me doing anything to anyone else. And I think that letting go of your preconceptions, even if all you do is walk away from something that, that you don't like, like if that's the first step on your journey then that's fine. It's still a step in the right direction. Like, you don't have to build the wall in a day or disassemble the wall in a day is probably a more appropriate metaphor. Um, You can just stop thrusting bricks into the mortar. That's what I got. Try and make sense of that later. I'm really sorry. You say that after every coda, but it's always wonderful. So... Thank you for listening to The Ink Sync. I've been Annie. I'm Kaylee. You can follow us wherever you'd like. We have a link tree in the feed where you found this and you can see all of our social medias and all of the various ways that we have the show on Anchor, YouTube, Substack coming up soon. And we will have the transcript for this episode up as soon as we can. And thank you, Abby. Thanks, Abby. If anyone wants to support us, you absolutely can through Anchor or Substack or our link tree. We don't discriminate. And we will see you next time. Yeah.